Protect your wooden clarinet and get the most out of your reeds with Bovada two-way humidity control packs. Watch until the end of this video to learn more. Then head to bovadainc.com and use code CLARINET at checkout to save 10% on your next purchase of Bovada products. Here we are back for another episode of the Clarinet Podcast today. I'm your host, Sean Perrin. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm here today with Barbara Borowitz, who's coming to me all the way from Poland. And she is a soloist and chamber musician, travels all around the world. And she's also a professor at the Penderecki Academy of Music in Krakow. Welcome so much to the podcast, Barbara. Hello. It's really nice that I can be here with you. <laughs> You know, it's actually really great. We actually met back at, uh, was it the 2015 Clarinet Fest? Uh, 2016 in Kansas. 16. That's yes. right, in Kansas. Yeah, I remember long that. Time like ago. It, well, it seems like it was <laughs> yesterday, but uh, it somehow was a long time ago. But it was so great to meet you and your husband out there as well. And um, we both have some, uh, I think you have one child, I have two now, so a lot has changed in the past few years. But <laughs> Oh yeah, so. there, uh, there is a lot of changes now, so wow, yeah, even my life changed, uh, changed from, from our last meeting, so oh, There's yeah. been lots of them going on, that is for sure, and you're leaving on another tour tomorrow, so you're keeping very, 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 very busy. Yes, yes, exactly, because I'm prepared to my tour um, to Argentina uh, for a, a few concerts and master classes as well. So uh, I'm, we can say, almost uh, all the time on the way and really often with my family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It sounds like you're traveling all the way there with your daughter who's two, is that right? Yes, almost two years old. Yes. It'll be quite the trip, but that's such a great memory for the whole family too. To have said that you did and, and travel all the way around the world like that for, for music. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you're playing the Harlequin there, correct? Again? Yes, exactly. It's, uh, it will be my uh, first concert during my tour in Argentina. Uh, so 26th of uh, October, I will play the Harlequin by Stockhausen uh, in the theater in Santa Fe. Amazing. So that's actually why we're here today. So it brings us together is this um, amazing presentation of this piece that you've done um, this past summer at Clarinet Fest. Clarinet is proud to be kind of a media sponsor of your your trip there. So you're getting to come on here and you know talk about the music and we're going to go all through sort of what it's like to prepare. And this is such an interesting piece because uh, Karl-Heinz Stockhausen, um, the Harlequin, for those who aren't familiar with it, do go check it out on YouTube. It's a piece that you don't really just want to listen to you want to also watch it right so go to a live performance if you can go to see it on youtube don't just pop in the headphones and listen you won't get quite the same experience <laughs> so but um so barbara i'm wondering like this is a piece or a type of piece that is really becoming um like an important part i would say of the modern repertoire you know along with some others that have some similar type of performance but it's not a piece that a lot of clarinetists play and definitely not one that a lot would be comfortable playing so i want you to kind of walk me through like the piece a little bit in general but also what inspired you to play this particular piece and to keep keep on playing it oh wow yeah, of course. So first of all, I would I would like to say that it's true that Harlequin by Stockhausen it's one of the most demanding pieces in our clarinet repertoire. Uh, 
And not only because technically it's uh, not easy piece, but as well um, it's required from the clarinet player the very good memory of the music text, uh, but as well the choreography. Uh, because it's about 45-50 uh, minutes at the stage without any break. Uh, and the performer needs to play everything uh, by heart. Dancing, um, acting, and of course playing clarinet. So this is um, uh, really challenging and I think not everybody is prepared to play such a piece. Uh, so um, when I, when I uh, started to think about it, before I prepared the other piece by Stockhausen, it was in Freundschaft, so it's quite popular. Uh, it's the piece when you play and you move your clarinet and a little bit your body. And the idea of Stockhausen was uh, to show two personality. So there is a right uh, and uh, left. Uh, moving and as well as well the central one so um, you just start to moving then there are kind of variation during the the piece like in friendschaft so in friendship uh, the name say and in the end there is a friendship because you play almost everything uh, in front of you and as well to the public so it was my first meeting with uh, his music and uh, I had the pleasure to prepare this piece with Susan Stephens. She is the most um, uh, important person, a clarinet player in Schokhausen's uh, life because he wrote all pieces for her. Uh, so uh, it was great for me that I had the chance to work with her and actually she just encouraged me to play the harlequin because I received from her the scores like a gift and she told me you know I think you could play this piece really interesting so it's for you so I said oh wow thank you very much so then I started to uh, uh, look in a score and say oh my god it's really hard but a few years later I uh, came back to her and I said okay I'm ready to work on the uh, harlequin wow so it sounds like it's I mean it's such a project um, 50 minutes no breaks I mean most people during a recital or even an orchestra concert or something they would get a break usually um, between that length of music, um, unless it's a symphony or something, obviously. Um, but uh, even then, there's not so much choreography going on and, and costume and things like that. In fact, it reminds me of a funny story I have. I was playing, a, I think it was a Mahler symphony where they lift up the horns at one part, right? And uh, even the people around me, they were having enough trouble just getting that together and I can't see the music and, you know, like it's, <laughs> so it's it's... It's so crazy that, you know, we have that extreme of people who sit in orchestras and they never do any kind of like acting as part of the job. But then a piece like this, which is suddenly 50 minutes of that sort of thing. So does the preparation involve not just practice and memorization, but did you do some sort of like actors training or costuming or can you tell me a little bit about that? Because if I had to play this piece, I don't know where I would start. Okay, yes, yes, of course. So um, I opened the score and I thought, oh my God, what should I do first? So, you know, it, it came a lot of things to my mind, but I started to read the, the score. So um, in a score, there is a lot of comments 
wrote by Stockhausen. So, for example, like what you should do, uh, which kind of moving you should do here. Um, so there is a lot of thing, uh, things about the acting. And as well, there is uh, a lot of information uh, about the music, like not only dynamic, but as well tempo changing and um, some other things like dolce or uh, diminuendo or, um, you know, such various things which you have normally in a music, for example, like Brahms or Weber or something like that. So first of all, I read read all, all the score. And then I started to work um, like a few lines every day. And um, uh, the idea of uh, Susanna um, was that I should uh, try to move as well. So not only stay in one place in front of my uh, music stand, but as well read the score, try to memorize it at the same time and try to move if there is a moving. So it was the hardest part. That's why it was sometimes not possible to play like one page or even half page. Sometimes during one day, a few hours, I was able to prepare only like two lines or three lines. No, no more, because there was a lot of things that I needed to put together. The hardest part for me, of course, it was to uh, move with clarinet, but not moving like I stay in one place and move my clarinet, but move with my legs so change the the place so it was the hardest part because in this um, the same time I needed to take care about the uh, beautiful clarinet sound for example uh, and as well uh, remember all the time the text the musical text so so it was really hard and then there is a lot of parts which are um, in altissimo register so it was uh, as well hard because then you need to focus not only about the proper notes moving, but as well to keep the, the highest notes like G for octave, A for octave, even C for octaves, in a for octave. So it was really demanding. Um, and you ask me as well about the acting. Yes, I work with, uh, with um, actors and they uh, Best, uh, they, they specialization was um, Comedia dell'arte. So it was not, um, not uh, there weren't people just I met by the accident, just I look for some people who are really uh, involved in the Comedia dell'arte because the name of the piece by Harlequin, like Harlequin by Stockhausen, means that there is some connection with Comedia dell'arte. Uh, so it was really important for me as well to uh, to see how much uh, from the Commedia dell'arte is in a piece by Stockhausen. Additional to my preparation, uh, I uh, wrote as well my PhD about the Harlequin uh, and about the Commedia dell'arte. So I was really involved uh, during a few years in this topic. So I tried to find the um, uh, similarity between the Harlequin um, seen by uh, Stockhausen in a musical way, but as well Harlequin, which was um, in like a character in Commedia dell'arte. So I found a lot of um, uh, 
the same thing we can say and as well uh, when i um when i thought about the harlequin at the stage about the music piece i realized that it's um, made almost in the same way like um, uh, theater commedia dell'arte because uh, what is the same there is no um no special um special things at the stage like no table no um no chairs something like that the um the stage is empty and uh, Stockhausen um, had a dream that everything is black so the stage is black the background is black and um, that's why uh, only Harlequin the the musician as well uh, in a performing in a special costume it's the main person so it was the same in a comedy other art. There were not a lot of people at the stage at the stage at the same time, and uh, and the stage was almost empty as well. So the characters and their acting was the most important thing. Um, the same with the costume because Stockhausen had an idea to have the costume in a, a special figures and in three colors like uh, red, green, and yellow. And the same kind of costume uh, was uh, before in the Commedia dell'arte. Of course, the costume had a lot of evaluation because the character of uh, Arlequin evaluated as well. Um, but it's almost the same. Uh, as well with the acting, because um, the musician uh, who performed the Arlequin um, needs to be a great... Uh, I, I don't know to say acrobat, <laughs> but needs to <laughs> needs to have a good uh, good physical condition because there is a jumping a little bit. Um, you need to play um, uh, uh, during your moving or when you are in your knees or something like that. So um, kind of acrobatic. Um, uh, Maybe athletic. Athletic, I think, is the. Or maybe, or yeah, yeah maybe yeah. like I mean, this. Yeah, it's, yeah, you're right because you're moving around. You're, I would say, it's acrobatic almost. Like you're moving <laughs> around. You're, you're having to still maintain a steady breath and not get out of breath. I mean, so I guess physical fitness is another element that I hadn't even really considered. But I guess I should give myself a little more credit too. I used to do the marching bands when I was a kid, and uh, we would memorize a 12 minute field show when you'd run around and and do all that stuff, and it was fairly complex. It's gotten to be a lot more complex now. That stuff has gone totally crazier from when I was in it. But, but uh, so I guess I kind of have that minimal experience. But a lot of people would have nothing, and I still would feel really out of element. I think playing this piece, I was just thinking, um, you, you're very specialized about this piece. So did you see a performance or something that made you kind of fall in love with it years ago? Or I uh, received from Susan Stephens her recording. So first of all, I watched it as well. So it was my first meeting with it. And um, I saw live uh, other um, performance. But you know, uh, it's, it's the piece which uh, requires... Um, uh, which requires a lot of uh, personality. So not everybody can do uh, the same way. So even if Stockhausen wrote, you need to do a spiral at the stage, so you need to move like a spiral. So everybody of us do, in, do this in different way. So even when you see some performance of Harlequin, 
you will uh, you can't compare it because it's completely different. Uh, what is important for me is to play uh, like Stockhausen wanted. So I try to realize all comments uh, which I have in a score and um, all, um, what is the most important thing, all the musical elements. Because um, it's not, uh, Harlequin, it's not like a theater piece. I would say like it's a stage music uh, because the music, the clarinet playing is the most important thing. Uh, in this piece and I think it was as well important for Stockhausen when I made my research I realized that this is the most important thing some other things are like additional parts Stockhausen was such an interesting guy but uh, we won't get into all that right now um, <laughs> if someone wants to explore this type of music do you think it would be fair for them to start with like a movement of this or is there another piece that's kind of similar with some dancing element that might be better off to begin with uh, there is a lot of um, a lot of pieces for clarinet or even for basset horn in stockhausen music but if someone uh, would like to start uh, with stockhausen i would recommend in front draft and then try to uh, to go to some other pieces. Probably you mean about the Kleine Harlequin, which is much more shorter because it's like eight or nine minutes. Um, the, the, the story of it, it's like uh, at the beginning, the Harlequin and the, Har the Kleine Harlequin was the same piece. Uh, Stockhausen wrote um, the big Harlequin part, parts by parts and asked Susanna to perform it. And before the premiere of the Harlequin, uh, Susan Stephens just played the whole piece and uh, almost uh, failed, uh, faint. So um, that's why Stockhausen thought, oh my God, maybe this piece is too long. So he decided to cut um, parts from it. And that's why now we have Harlequin, the big one, and the Kleine Harlequin, so the small one. And now people just play it like a two separate piece. And the Kleine Harlequin don't, doesn't have so big requirements about the stage, about the lightning... Um, and about the costume as well. Uh, but honestly, the, the Kleine Harlequin, because it's like the part of the big one, um, it's quite challenging as well, no matter that it's eight or nine minutes, because there is a lot of moving. So you need to move all the time there. Uh, so it's really demanding uh, when we think about the physical condition. And as well, there is um, uh, like one movement and it's really, really fast. So uh, you need to have really good uh, technical um, abilities. There's other composers too, I think, that you know you might be interested in checking out. I'm just trying to remember here. Um, have you heard of the guy named Armory Schaefer? Mm, He's a no. Canadian. He's actually a Canadian composer. And, and uh, I'm remembering slowly as you're talking that I have had some kind of similar experiences. <laughs> I don't know why. It's like I have sort of a forgetful about it, but... I played this one piece by Armory Schaefer, and actually I actually got to meet Armory Schaefer once, kind of a weird story, but I auditioned to play one of his pieces with this experience, and then he was like, oh no, sorry, my granddaughter is going to play the piece, because <laughs> she <laughs> plays clarinet, and I'm like, well, why did we have the audition? But at least I got to meet him, but, and he liked my playing, so there was that. Anyway, um, oh. <laughs> so he's a, he was a Canadian composer, only died last year or the year before, 
And uh, but he would write music that often had kind of a moving element to it, or was written for a specific place. But there's one I think you'd really enjoy. I'm just trying to remember the name. I think it's for like voice and clarinet. Um, if I can think of it, I'll send it to you. But one Perfect. of my friends did it. You dress up in a costume and you work with this voice and you run around the whole. It was really cool. And I, it, wow. Like I said, I will send it to you afterwards. I think it would be an interesting expansion to all your interest in Stockhausen. But he's a very, uh, very creative composer. The one piece I did, um, which again, I'm, I'm not remembering the name. It's called like Wolf Lake or something like that. But you'd have to get up and it was to be performed at sunrise on this lake at a specific time of year. So we woke up at like three in the morning and went to this lake at like 4.30 and sunrise wow. was at five or something. And yes, like it's really weird. The horn player goes out on a boat in the middle of the lake and the clarinet player is like off on some hill or something and the parts are communicate. It's super weird. Um, but wow. he also had some of this dance style stuff. So I can, if I can find that one, I'll, I'll send it to you after. Sorry, I was just trying to have a look right now. But Amazing, because it sounds really interesting. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's fairly similar in this this way of just being sort of a dance combined with with um, the music. And I guess that was another question I was going to ask you: is like you're so into this this piece. There's a shorter version, um, so it's a great you know collection of pieces. But are there any other pieces in this style which you love to play or that you want to play? And because you're so into this genre, right? So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. outside yeah. of Stockhausen, what other works are there that? Are interesting um, kind of like this that you've played or that you want to play yes 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 you know uh, because uh, I'm still in, fascinated in Stockhausen's music of course and that's why I perf try to perform all that I harlequin and I see that people love it um, I encourage one Polish composer uh, Artur Cieślak to write a piece for me which was inspired by karate <laughs> So um, he prepared uh, music and as well he wrote me moving with uh, clarinet bell and with m moving my body according to kata, which is, um, uh, which is uh, really connected with karate. So even I had some lesson with karate to, to know how should I move uh, in this kata. Uh, and as well, I performed in a special costume, which is normal costume uh, for karate. So uh, I, I'm really focused on it. And now I love to play such a crazy pieces because, you know, it, it's fascinating for me because I see as well um, what I'm able to do with my clarinet, with my moving and as well um uh with uh, dancing at the stage with everything uh, something what is uh, unusual for for the uh, other performer or performers or composers absolutely i just found the piece by the way it's oh, called wizard wizard oil and indian sagwa by schaefer i can send you a link afterwards but Perfect. it's for speak speaker and clarinet that's what it is so there's like a oh. person on stage and you dance around doing some different things in a costume, and it's a really fun piece, so I, th I think you'd love it. Oh, perfect, perfect. Thank you. <laughs> so you're really inspiring me in the sense of, I remember when I was in university, um, I had a real obsession at the time, I don't know why, but with sort of the planning of my recitals from an artistic perspective, not outside of the, like obviously musically, <laughs> artistically. Mm -hmm, of course. But, <laughs> but, but outside of that, like I was really concerned with the the vibe of the whole concert as like an experience, the lighting, things that people weren't really worried about 
in 2005, <laughs> I oh, guess, yeah. you know. <laughs> and I remember some people were critical of it. Um, in fact, one of the jury members thought that it was ridiculous, some of the things that I did. And, and maybe some of it was. I mean, I, I maybe pushed the envelope too far in a couple situations. But, but one thing that I thought would be kind of cool um, was I played the uh, Abyss of the Birds. Do you know this piece, the Messian? Mm-hmm. Um, Yes. It's a solo clarinet. Yeah, from the quartet for the end of time. Yes. Of course. course. Yeah, (laughs) of course you know it. Um, But uh, I decided to play that one in a dark room with only a blue spotlight above me. Mm -hmm. And I've had people come up to me years later like, oh, I remember that. That was so interesting and so moving. And I've heard other arguments from people, though. They say that, you know, to add this kind of stuff to the music detracts from the music and you shouldn't do it. But I don't know. I kind of believe that music itself can be accentuated by taking in our other senses what what do you what do you think about that like would the harlequin be or other pieces like this i mean is it i don't think this but is it just theatrics like what would you say to somebody who says something like that you know Um, know, i uh, perform harlequin at the different stage and as well during my preparation when i heard the rehearsals i played harlequin in different rooms so um, I realized because often really often almost all the time I did some recording when I played the whole piece through from the beginning uh, till the end Uh, so it's really important what you have around you so for example if you have some columns at the stage for example, it destroyed, you know, the atmosphere, uh, the moving, uh, music, everything. It's the same um, with colors. Uh, so, for example, if when I have my uh, costume and besides me, there is a um, background not black, but some different color like yellow or like brown, something like this. It's changed everything, especially when you have the follow spot. Uh, which is needed, of course. Uh, so you have a different shadow, you know. So um, um, sometimes I um, in, invited my uh, parents or my students, my professor at my rehearsals during um, important performances. And uh, uh, they told me as well, you know, when you have the back, bl- uh, black background, it's completely different. When you have this costume, because I, I have a few costumes, like for uh, performances, like for uh, um, dress rehearsals, uh, for normal rehearsal. So the people which uh, know me uh, and, um, and just observe the harlequin in different costumes and different rooms can say me that the piece is completely different, you know? So that's why I think all small things can make a difference. And especially people uh, just uh, would like to come for a concert, of course, listen to music, but the people don't see um, in uh, at the chair and they don't um, close their eyes. They have open eyes. So that's why I think everything, how we look, how we move, um, it's important how the stage looks like, uh, what is there. So if, the, if there are unnecessary tables, chairs, music stands, something like that, everything makes a difference. That's why... Um, 
when you um, when you told me the story about the uh, your performances by your per performance by Messian, I think it's really true. Uh, when you play in a dark room with the um, small light, it's it's completely different for a public than you play the same piece in normal light, normal everything, you know. So that's why I think it's really important and we should take care about the small, small details. I love that. Even taking artistic control of, if you can, of as much of your performance kind yes. of as possible, right? Um, yes, exactly. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, it reminds me of uh, Glenn Gould, the famous Canadian pianist. Um, he was famous for humming through his recordings. You know this guy? He no. would play like, oh, you should check it out, Goldberg Variations by Bach, for example. He'd be like... He'd be playing the part, you but in his both hands he's playing, but then he's also singing like something else. And his it was so annoying at first when you listen to his recordings, but he became famous for this, always singing through the recordings. He couldn't help himself, but he was also famous for in the studio, for he would get to the end of a take and just start talking immediately. Oh, let's do that one again or whatever, you know. And mm -hmm. uh, his producer at one point, Andrew Kasdan convinced him to take art artistic control of the silences because he was not a very easy man to convince of anything but the way he worded that i guess kind of caused glenn gould to go wait a second you're right and he, ever since that moment he stopped doing that because he realized that the silence was kind of part of the performance in a way you know what i mean um but uh that i think was something that kind of inspired me too though back then about the lighting and and sort of the other things i i tried to do as well um and i I think that you're totally onto an interesting style of performance. And I think that even if someone never plays a piece like that, I think they would really benefit from watching this type of piece and learning from this type of piece, even just studying the type of piece for fun. Um, yes, I was exactly. At a, yeah, if you, do, you don't have to perform it. I was at a songwriting workshop yesterday. I was thrilled to be there because I'm a huge Radiohead fan. Mm -hmm. And the guy who was there uh, was the co-producer of one of the of Radiohead's first two albums. And um, I got to ask a question, which was kind of neat. But um, he talked a little bit about how, as a songwriter, for example, you got to shake this notion of like writing a hit single or writing for the radio or writing for a friend. Just write a song with the notion that you're only going to ever play it for yourself and see how freeing that is, you know? So even if you're an orchestral player and you'd be embarrassed to play this piece or too nervous or don't have time or whatever i think it'd give you some benefit to study this piece and how the stage movements work and you know look at yourself in the mirror make a funny video of it just for yourself just to learn and practice and see but then take some of this back to the stage right i tell kids all the time at music clinics like how would you feel about someone coming out on stage like they have bad posture they don't look at the audience they're facing the wrong way like these things matter you know um, like if I was have my back to the room right now, it would be a completely different podcast. Of course, <laughs> you know? of course, yeah. So these things are just so important, and I think that there's got to be kind of a more of a crossover. So, you know, I, I was wondering, do you teach any kind of masterclass training, or maybe it's a business idea, but do you, <laughs> do you do any kind of training for musicians who want to glean some of this knowledge without kind of going all in and going on tour playing the Harlequin? Because that's a huge jump, right? Just getting this knowledge and applying it to your career versus going full-time into the Stockhausen like you have. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm always uh, I'm always open to help anybody who is interested in Stockhausen's music. 
Uh, and I do as well some um, summer master classes here in Poland. So everybody is welcome. And uh, I'm I really recommend to work on the Stockhausen pieces because uh, it um, this kind of music opened our minds and especially because there are some other elements and everybody can see how much we can do it how 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 many things is inside us so I remember that uh, when I uh, performed uh, Stockhausen first time. So I thought, oh my God, I need to go at the stage with this costume so everybody will see all my muscles, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, oh my God. And I remember when I played it first time at the Music Academy because I organized a, a conference connected with uh, Stockhausen's music and even Suzanne Stephens and uh, a lot of great performance, uh, perf uh, performers by uh, Stockhausen's music came. To Krakow, I remember how hard it was uh, for a moment, only for 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 a moment, uh, for me to play in this costume in front of a lot of my colleagues and professors at the music academy. But you know, when you start the piece, and uh, when you have your first tone, so you 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 forget about everything so only just before you you start your performance you can have a lot of ideas in your mind but when you need to involve of course in a Stockhausen's music there is a lot of elements you need to remember at the same time so there is no time to think about other things absolutely i love that do you have any advice because this is uh this is relevant for me. I've also got a you know two-year-old daughter and five-year-old. <laughs> I feel like I'm just at that stage now in life. I never thought I'd be asking questions about kids on the podcast, but I mean, here you are going on tour with a nearly two-year-old, and this summer you were at Clarinet Fest when she must have been about you know I guess one and a half. Any kind of parenting tips for people who want to keep playing music with kids? I mean, you're very very courageous to be going on international trips playing a 50-minute memorized dance piece, towing a two-year-old along. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy of course but uh, everything depends on the organization or, or on the organization today the practicing everything so um, i think the most is the most important thing and um, uh, i didn't mention that all the time i performed the uh, harlequin together with my husband uh, who is doing the special lighting for me because he um, take care about the follow spot. Uh, so uh, even it's sometimes hard because he needs to be with me at the stage. Um, so sometimes when uh, when I prepare the Harlequin, I really often need my husband as well to, to do the light for me because as we spoke before, it's completely different um, uh, performance without light and with light. So that's why when you practice as well, it's important. So uh, with the kids, it's as well possible, but organization, it's purity. <laughs> <laughs> Tougher, yeah, I, I imagine so. It depends. Uh, ours are pretty rambunctious. So it would be... Uh, as she been around any of the performances and, and been able to watch some of it? Or I guess she's a little young. My daughter uh, saw once the Harlequin during one of my dress rehearsal, uh, thanks to my parents, of course. Um, and uh, at the beginning, she was really interesting. Even she, I heard that she was laughing in a few uh, <laughs> sections. Yes, when I acting. But my mother told me, you know, 
in the end, she just follow asleep. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was That's really surprised. Though. I was yeah, really surprised surprising. because there is a lot of high notes and it was really loud. So <laughs> it's a very active piece. Well, she must be a very relaxed and calm child then that's good <laughs> i feel like mine would have went the other way <laughs> more escalation than than sleeping <laughs> but you know i i don't think so that i will be so brave uh, that for example now uh, in argentina julia will um, watch my performances because i think now i could be afraid that she started to to scream or said mama mama or something like that so i prefer that she's not at this uh, yeah the it's probably audience. fairly stressful i think the dress rehearsal yes. was a great idea though kind of let her let her see yes and exactly that's really fun though she's at an age yes. where she's you know, starting to wonder, you know, what, what do they do, right? <laughs> so, very, very cool. Well, is there anything else you'd like to share with me? I, I haven't thought to ask about the piece. I can tell that there is a lot of demanding, uh, demanding um, uh, things, uh, but I don't want to make uh, people frightening about the, the piece. But I really encourage if someone would like to just open the score and see what is inside, I really recommend it. And first of all, or may maybe this is interesting, first of all, if you would like to start the Harlequin, the first to know it's a thrill, but it's really big thrill. So first of all, you need to know that you need to have a circular briefing. So mm. this is special gift from the Stockhausen. So if you would like to start, <laughs> okay, you can play circular brief. Okay, you can go in. If not, just start to practice from the first note. <laughs> <laughs> Man, circular breathing, that is one I've never really fully figured out. I imagine there are many with me. <laughs> but, uh, I need to do it someday. It's, it's always been kind of something I'd like to do. Do you have any tips for that, the circular breathing stuff? Uh, yes, of course. Um, the I think when you, for example, uh, watching TV or something like that, you can take um, a glass of water and, uh, uh, oh my God, how to say in English? Straw? So, yeah, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. And just watch the TV and, like, and make the bubbles. And then when you are really inside the movie, try to make a bubbles and at the same time try to take the, the brief with your nose. So, yes, like... Everyone's trying to do it right now. I mean, I was. Like yeah. this. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> the camera's off. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, it's it's really possible and I think it's the best way. So practicing, um, practicing this way. But are you and taking, don't think like, that is it really a cyclical, hard. like literally just in and out at the same time? Or because I've heard other people try to puff their cheeks. And yes, kind of yes, blow. exactly. That's what you're yes, doing. Okay. Yes. So that's first of all. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yes, yes. So you almost Be like puff the cheeks with air. And then as you're emptying the cheeks you take more in through the nose kind of thing yes exactly yes exactly oh, okay. so of, of course this is the hardest part when, when you need to do it together but step by step you can do it that's why it's really important to work with a, a glass of water and straw because you see the bubbles all the time so there is step by step what you can do see all the time the bubbles and I, I'm pretty sure that everybody is curious how to do it so um, oh, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And thanks to have bubbles, to, we see everything. <laughs> have to find a good straw. We are, straws are illegal in Canada now. Oh, really? So we have these like paper abominations that <laughs> don't last very long. So believe it or not. But yeah, still it's more... possible with it. So 
Yeah, but the paper melts <laughs> after like uh, a couple. Yes, after horrible. a while. Yes, yes. Yeah. But you know, the second way, may maybe this is as well in interesting. So, for example, you can put the water inside the mouth and try to do, uh, or may maybe bathroom. It's a it's a good good place for it. Through um, the water, like like this, like, oh, like no, a stream. Yes, exactly. And the same when you have the water here and do the same with the water. Just to kind of practice so, that. It's so funny because, yes. you know, when, when students are learning clarinet too, we tell them, oh, don't puff out your cheeks. To, and then later on, all the stuff comes back, you know, all this. Stuff. Yes, yes, <laughs> now yes, it's just yes, an extended yes. technique or whatever. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. But it's the same as well with the squeaks because squeaks, it's uh, the same like aliquot. So... <laughs> yeah, suddenly you need those notes. All those. Actually, it's funny you mentioned that because sometimes I was te when I was teaching a lot, I would have kids who would say, you know, they want to learn the high notes, but they're having trouble because they just, it sounds bad. I'm like, okay, well, show me what you're doing. And they would play it. And I'm like, well, I know it sounds kind of squeaky. Is that why you think it sounds bad? And, oh, yeah, yeah, I've, I've been told that that's the bad sound or whatever. It's like, well, mm -hmm. it's not a bad sound. <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of what the high register on clarinet sounds like. It's sort of squeaky. You, you got to refine it, obviously, but they've got it in their head that the way it feels to squeak is bad. So then when they try to play the altissimo notes, which of course feel like squeaks, yes, they can't figure it out. It, it sounds bad. They can't get there, right? Oh, so, yes, yes, yeah, yes, exactly. It's a tough, tough sort of thing. So there's another piece that just came to mind, which uh, I would encourage listeners to check out. And if you haven't, I think you'd like it too, but I also can't remember the name. So if anyone does remember the name of this piece, please comment it below. I'm going to look it up afterwards, but it's one where you start with the whole clarinet and then you take a piece of it away and mm -hmm. then you're left at the end of the piece just with the mouthpiece. Do you remember what that one's called? It's Immer Kleiner. Yes, that's the one, but who yeah. wrote it? Schneider or something yeah. like that. Fun it's a piece, German though. Composer? I think so. Yeah, I'll have to look into it again. But it's a really another really fun piece. And yes, yes, I don't it's think true. it's technically theatrical. But ev you know, any good performance, I think, if we were to kind of take one thing from this interview today, I think that any good performance has an element of theatrics to it. You know, right? I mean, whether it's the lighting or the way you compose yourself on stage, or I don't know. I think these are just important parts whether we want to admit that or not you know of course even when you uh, enter the stage it's like part of your um, theater performance because you yeah. you you are there and the people just watch you watch all your steps so absolutely sets the stage literally <laughs> yeah exactly so. <laughs> well thank you so much for coming on the podcast today i won't keep you too much longer i know it's late there in poland and you're going away in two days for your international trip so um yeah thank you so so much for taking the time to come on the podcast i know we've been meaning to connect for a couple of months and uh, but i think this just worked out perfectly in between your two trips and uh is there anything else you'd like to tell the clarinet audience before we go uh, yes, I would like and encourage to everybody to um, perform uh, contemporary music. Don't afraid about it, and just look um, uh, how much you can do. I agree. <laughs> Seconded. <laughs> Support living composers. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I fully agree. Totally. Well, thank you so much, Barbara, for coming on the podcast today. You can check out her work at barbaraborovich.com. I'll put a link in the description of this episode. And um, yeah, she also got a YouTube, some YouTube videos up there with some of these pieces and things like that. So you can check that out as well. So thank you again so much, Barbara, for coming on the program. 
Thank you very much. It was really nice. <laughs> The Clarinet Podcast is brought to you in part by one of my favorite products ever, Bova the Two-Way Humidity Control Packs. I live in a super dry and cold climate in Canada, and so taking care of my instruments is a real challenge. However, it's effortless with Bovida. Every three months, I just replace the Bovida pack in my case, and I know my clarinets will be comfy and cozy inside. If you use cane reeds, there's also a mini version that fits inside most reed cases and keeps your reeds at their best, so they're ready to play when you are. Check out Bovida's offerings for clarinetists at bovidainc.com and use code CLARINET at checkout to save 10% on your next purchase. Click the link in the description below to learn more.